0: Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. And ladies and gentlemen, your, yes, your Baylor Bears are the 2021 men's basketball national champions after their 86 to 70 win over the Gonzaga Bulldogs on Monday night. I never thought this would happen. Growing up in Waco, going to a million Baylor sporting events, never did I ever dream that Baylor would national champion. So I've been riding high all week. Shoutouts to Mark Patterson, shoutouts to Mark Vidal, Davia Mitchell, Jared Butler, Macy Teague, the whole team. Unbelievable. I could go on and on, but this is not a Baylor sports podcast. This is the Mission Hills Christian Church podcast. If this is your first time, you're probably very confused, and that's okay. This is the second Sunday of Easter, and we are in the Acts of the Apostles chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. And we are reading out of the message translation this morning. The whole congregation of believers was united as one. One heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed it according to each person's need. The word of the Lord. Okay, so the second week of Easter, uh, we have the gospel of John is our gospel reading for the week, uh, but it's a text that I've preached on many times. so I thought it would be interesting to go into the book of Acts and talk about this p- really short passage, obviously, just a few verses. And you know, if we read the book of Acts, we, you know, we're jumping in in chapter four here, but we begin to appreciate the complexity and mystery of this community of early, Followers of the way. And there is a kind of confidence that the apostles carry with them in the aftermath of Jesus' resurrection and ascension, even in the face of doubt and derision from all the religious authorities and governmental authorities. And while there is an astounding amount of positive communal transformation. There are, it's also really messy. There are imprisonments, betrayals, and even deaths. So the community of people gathered in the Spirit here that we just read are by no means perfect or uh, somehow automatically holy. But they have been transformed by, by a grace and an experience of the res- resurrection that causes them to live radically generous. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning and to talk about some more on, on Sunday when we meet on Zoom. So this scene that we step into in Acts chapter four, um, Peter and John are, we're in prison, they're out of prison, they're filled with the Spirit, and we get a glimpse of how this community of grace is living together. And While the Capital C Church loves to venerate uh, miraculous moments like Pentecost, perhaps the greatest miracle is briefly described in this text, in which if just for a moment we catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. In the author of Luke Acts, the Gospel of Luke also wrote the Acts of the Apostles, Luke Acts Uh, tells us that this congregation is, from the beginning, of the same heart and mind, which was a Hellenistic way of describing friendship or mutuality. And then we're told of their radical, I mean, just absolutely radical sharing of possessions and money in which no one in the community laid claim to anything, but they share according to what people needed. And what's even more fascinating, I think, is the next sentence, the author makes the connection between the practices of their generosity to each other and their experience of grace and its testimony to the resurrection. And this is related to how we mentioned last week that the resurrection is not something that we believe or don't believe happened 2,000 years ago. But it it is a way of living in the world and in community that proclaims the resurrection of Christ to the world today. And the church often focuses more attention on a literal resurrection or one-time miracles or some doctrinal or belief requirements rather than embracing the quite unbelievable call of the Spirit to practice the resurrection in our material world here and now. And this radical expression of this community in Acts, however brief it was, with all of its imperfections, transformed by grace in testifying to the resurrection, this radical expression is economic. However, the the norm for our American culture, neoliberal economics today, which includes church-going people like you and I, it treats... Uh, growth and compounding interest as ultimate reality. I mean, that's the world we live in the language that we, when we talk about money, whether that's to friends or family, like it's all in terms of neoliberal economics, 401k. I mean, that's the world we live in and that's the language that we prioritize as ultimate reality. But the kingdom of God has a different kind of vision for economics. And we have ignored the kingdom of God economy in the scripture as described in this short text in which everyone has dignity and no one is in need. We've traded that vision for an economy in favor of our own self-interest and our own wealth. Uh, I received an email this week within our own denomination, from our own denomination, that said, quote, thanks to the prophetic witness, and faithful generosity of the church in 2020, we were able to see an abundance of manna that God provided throughout the year. (laughs) End quote. Uh, This language is bullshit, and it it wholly reflects the values and practices of a neoliberal economics rather than God's vision for the kingdom of God. I mean, is the church... (laughs) Really, going to sit back and count its cash and then claim that as the measure of God's faithfulness? Someone, please tell me how this is not the prosperity gospel. Let's call this kind of language what it is. It's counting cash, and it's no different than what Goldman Sachs does. So I think we honestly have to recognize that even our best intentions can turn out to be mere reflections of our own self-centered, money-hungry culture with a little God language thrown in for good measure. The church has to do better because we are called by the Spirit to demand an end to the systems of economic injustice and poverty. This community in Acts shows us a vision and the Spirit challenges us with a vision for how the economy of the kingdom of God is measured by solving economic injustice and meeting people's needs. Not measured by its accumulation of money. The author of Luke Acts says, this is the expression of grace. This radical love and generosity by meeting people's needs and solving economic injustice. This is the expression of grace. And this is a testament To the resurrection. Now, none of us are perfect, and the world is incredibly complicated. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't have money or possessions, but as Christians, we are called to live our lives in such a way that testifies to life-giving, the life-giving liberation of the gospel. And at the very least, we have to show some self-awareness that our culture and probably some of our personal practices are light years away from an economy of the kingdom of God that practices the resurrection in in an acts community kind of way, which gives openly to those in need, while also showing that unjust power systems like neoliberal militaristic capitalism is an economy of violence that perpetuates inequality and robs people of the dignity of life And this week, the Biden administration proposed to increase the Pentagon budget to $715 billion, which that's nearly $2 billion a day in defense spending. And this budget increase, it shows a priority of an economy of violence over an economy that would give people housing, health care, or food, uh, or just simply not create weapons that take people's lives around the world. I mean, how can we allow the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform us so as to open us to live generously, testifying to the resurrection within our lives, and to just take an honest look at the economic injustice of the systems that we we all participate in, Uh, As Christians, perhaps perhaps we like to focus on what happened during those days, back in the days of Scripture, as a way of avoiding being called by the Spirit to live with a transformed worldview of radical generosity in which we are called to see nothing as our own, but to live generously with what we have. What if the miracle was not the historical resurrection, but a world in which there is no one hungry, unhoused, or in need? What if God's blessing wasn't God giving us more cash to count, but the material well-being of those being crushed by economies of violence? And why doesn't the church and our economy operate in such a way that reflects the values of this early Acts community? Why does a Christian nation, the wealthiest country to ever exist, have some of the world's worst wealth inequality, homelessness, imprisonment, and poverty? Why do most of us accept these realities as normal, or the way things have to be, when the scripture, the spirit, and our faith call us to practice a very, very different economic reality? So this week, may we see that God's economy conflicts this normal neoliberal militaristic capitalism. May we see that we have been given grace so that we too might give freely. And may we too be led by the spirit to step confidently into a complicated, conflicted life in which freedom is found in generosity. And as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well.